This is State of the Fish, a live call-in show for Miami Marlins fans, brought to you every week by the Fish Stripes Twitter account. Here's your host, Grant Kiefer. First off, Danny, people who call themselves fans of the U, including alumni, as our very own Eli is, congrats to Miami Hurricanes fans on a uh, Final Four. Uh, my Kentucky Wildcats haven't been in eight years, and I'm pretty sad, so cherish it. It's going to be a fun week. Saturday is going to be a fun day. Um, it, it's, it's pretty special. Congrats to any FAU fans or graduates as well. What a weekend for South Florida. Hopefully... The Cavender Twins can get a win tonight for, for the Lady Canes. That, that's my title pick. But anyways, we'll get to the Marlins part here. The season's right around the corner. We're making this a weekly show now, now that the season's underway. Um, I'm pretty pumped about that. I'm starting to get baseball fever. I can, I'm starting to feel it. It's here. Marlins just rounded out spring training today. Inter-squad game tomorrow. A little scrimmage action. Um, some workouts throughout the week. And then all of a sudden, it's going to be opening day. Sandy Alcantara takes on Max Scherzer. I thought it would be Verlander, but either way, the Marlins got to see both those pitchers. So we'll, we got a few people here. We got Isaac and um, Alex Carver waiting to, to get in to speak. So we'll, we'll let them in. We'll talk amongst the, the Fish Stripes panel here at first, and then we'll start taking your guys' questions um, to, to come speak with us. Since the emphasis on this is um, we want to hear your guys' questions. We want to answer your guys' questions, especially with the season right around the corner and with the final roster pretty much out um, at this point. We'll, we'll break that stuff down for you guys. Any questions you may have, who didn't make it, who, why, and that kind of thing. So we'll start with just the, the way the, the split squad games went today and you know how the, the Marlins rounded out this last week of, of games. Eli, was there anything that you really took away from this last week or so in terms of what could translate early on in the season? Well, they were very consistent in, I guess, two regards. One of them was the awful defense from the very beginning to the very end for people that were watching that um, the afternoon game with the AAA depth players in. Um, it, was, it was concerning to see all these guys kind of understandably actually playing out of position and having trouble making a, a wide variety of plays, the things that don't always show up in terms of earned runs and unearned runs, but in terms of missed cutoff men and throwing to the wrong bases and just having bad hands, like this is, um, they're going to be hemorrhaging runs in this aspect of the game. I imagine, I don't think it's going to be a strength of the team this year on a defensive side. I think the bright spot as you got to the end of spring training and I guess you could say arguably is the most important thing is that the starting pitchers kind of looked the way that the starting pitcher should, which is a big strength and potentially one of the better rotations in all baseball, that final turn through the rotation um, from Sandy's dominance to, I mean, I guess Edward Cabrera, all things considered, if you just adjust for the quality of competition, that Edward start he made against the Cardinals, a lineup was extremely encouraging in all aspects. Um, I guess they ended on a positive note in that regard, where I think that whole last time through the rotation, um, I guess the one thing missing from that was Johnny Cueto. He was pitching on the backfields instead of in a real game. So we haven't actually got to see him succeed uh, in front of the public eye this entire spring. But on the backfields, 
from what I'm hearing, he was better than he had been in his actual Grapefruit League starts during this most recent appearance, and he's on track for opening day. For all the starters to make it through spring healthy and for most of them to find success in the games that they pitched, that's going to be so crucial. We've been talking for years about the potential of this Marlins rotation, and obviously last year you saw Sandy break out being the best pitcher in baseball. It's going to be critical, though, for everybody in this rotation to be average or better in order to like compensate for the other question marks around this team's defense and, and especially and even their offense at this point. So to see the starters look like themselves and their stuff to look like it's supposed to look, that's a bright spot. So that's one reason to feel encouraged at the very end of this. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And on that starting pitch note, um, we, we know the, the five guys at this point. Braxton Garrett's going to be in the bullpen, but he won't be in the rotation more than likely. So you know your five guys. We know Sandy's opening day. Presumably is going to start opening night. He'll be number two in the rotation. How do you think they disperse Eddie, Trevor, and Johnny Cueto, and, and why in, in that order? Or in the order they choose, I should say. Yeah, and, and what that's it's a big question to see exactly what order these guys go in. Um, and I think with Cueto, one thing that I did want to mention is that he does have a recent history of, of struggling in spring games. So for a guy that they signs coming off a really solid year for the White Sox, and even though he's at a stage in his career where you think he's declining, um, I, I think I would hesitate to jump to conclusions about that. And I'm kind of giving him more of a benefit of the doubt than I normally would at this stage of the year. Um, so we know that he's going to pitch, is it tomorrow? Yeah, I'll have to double check this pitching schedule right here as to what is routine is they're, they're being kind of quiet about exactly how this rotation is going to line up because we have tomorrow is Sandy and Cueto are both throwing bullpen sessions. And we know Sandy's going to be on line to pitch Thursday. Um, and then on we fast forward to Wednesday, that's when Lazardo and Edward Cabrera are pitching their bullpen sessions. And then Trevor Rogers is throwing a bullpen on Thursday. Um, so it does appear that, looks like Rogers is going to be at the very end of this rotation at the number five spot. Um, but I guess just to get everybody on the same page, um, yeah, all indications are that Sandy, Lazardo, Cueto, Rogers, and Edward Cabrera, those are going to be the five and that Braxton is going to be on this roster um, as the long reliever spot starter type for whenever inevitably uh, a spot opens up. Yeah, as, as a whole, I have the most confidence in Lazardo being the second best uh, pitcher in this rotation. Everything he did late last year looks pretty legit, but whether he actually lines up as the number two guy or the number three guy or even fourth coming out of spring training, I don't think it matters very much. Um, I mean, the, the key differentiator is going to be which of these other guys besides Sandy actually can make a full 32 starts and actually stay in the rotation towards the end. So I, I don't get too caught up in, in terms of, what this first well, like turn through the rotation is going to look like. Um, but it's, it does seem that just about everybody uh, with possible exception of Cueto, everybody else is like pretty close to fully stretched out. So at least you're going to get somewhat of a real start from them from the get go. Yeah, that's really important. And having Braxton Garrett as a long reliever in that regard is also going to be really important because even if these guys aren't stretched out, the Marlins have 29 games in 32 days to start the season. 
you're going to want to be able to disperse some of the pitching time amongst others. And the bullpen is not really all that deep. You've got, I'd say, four or five really good guys, a few guys that are iffy and just made the roster just because there was, really wasn't a lot. And early on, I've been saying this last few spaces early on, I wouldn't be surprised if the Marlins struggle, but um, having Braxton and Garrett be able to come in in a game where, you know, Cueto's only able to go four or five innings, so he's only allowed to pitch 75 pitches in, in that regard. I, I like how the Marlins are handling that. Of course, we would have loved to see Braxton Garrett earn a role in that rotation, but the Marlins have a good problem, whereas there's too many cooks in the kitchen. And um, that's why they were able to trade Pablo. I couldn't imagine what they would have done trying to figure out that fifth spot had they kept Pablo. And speaking of him, he is in line to face the Marlins that first week of this season. I believe it's uh, April 5th, the series finale against Minnesota. Is, is that when he's supposed to the pitch against Miami? Yes, that is what it is looking like. They have that. Could that be a, a Pablo versus Sandy game? That looks unlikely. Because it's just a difference in an off day where the Twins have an off day before that series. The Marlins play every single day. So even though they're both starting opening day, like Pablo's next start is expected to come one day later because um, because of their schedule, because of that off day in between. All right, taking yeah, away right, taking away what would have been the dream matchup. We were one day off getting that during the WBC with the DR in Venezuela. And now it looks like we'll be one day off getting that one. Even so... Uh, Pablo's return, highly anticipated, speaks a lot to how yeah. the Twins feel about him that he is their opening day guy for their actual opening yeah, day they, series. they don't exactly have a bad rotation either. They've got Tyler Malley, Sonny Gray, a lot of Reds guys in there. They have one more guy. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm not too familiar with the Twins, but that's a really good rotation. I think they're my pick to win the AL Central. But it's, I think we could see maybe Pablo versus Trevor if they do go Trevor in that five spot. Or maybe Eddie. I don't know what they'll do, but I think that's a day game, isn't it? Since that's that's a series finale. Yeah. Or is that night? Yeah, it's to take people underneath the hood. That's like the one day of the homestand where we don't. We're not sure whether we'll have one of our writers there to cover it because it is a weekday afternoon game in early April. It's it's kind of strange to have that precise timing of it. To have it early afternoon. I think it's a one o'clock game on that Wednesday. So it'll probably be the smallest crowd of the homestand, too, to see Pablo pitch, unless people are extra motivated to go out there and support him and actually root against him for the first time. Yeah. Uh, his first, or so since the end of last season, I think two out of three or three out of four, I can't remember, of his last competitive starts will be at Lone Depot Park, even though a couple of them will be with Venezuela or have been with Venezuela. And one of them is going to be with the Twins. So I guess it's a good way to ease them into a, a new environment, so to speak. So we talked about the rotation. We talked about the defense. A lot of people have been excited to maybe see a little bit more offensive production this year. We saw the Jazz tweet yesterday saying that he's going to play 155 games. He's going to hit the ball well, all of that. And on paper, this is a lineup that's very capable of hitting. All these hitters in their best season have hit the ball really well. and Almost all these players can be all-star caliber at their peak, but the question is, will they do that? And my answer is probably not, but there's still a lot to be excited about, especially with some of these guys. Well, what's maybe three guys that have kind of flown under the radar that you think could actually have a really good season at the plate this year, or the two or three that we're not exactly thinking about? Oh, boy. Three, two or three that could actually mm. – how about we put that the one or two? Yeah, I, guess, I don't think there'll be three. Yeah, the interesting place to start is 
Brian De La Cruz. I was the high man on him when he became a Marlin, and now I'm probably slightly lower than most on him because it was so encouraging what he did late last year, all the peripherals behind it. Um, he was one of the best hitters in all of baseball those last four weeks I think of the Aaron season. Aaron Judge was the only hitter better than him at the end of the season if you are looking at OPS. Yeah. That being said, it was in September uh, against a mix of opponents that actually cared and those who didn't care. It's all There's always extra noise in September, October stats, regular season compared to the other portions of the season. So even though under the hood, he looks like a great hitter, just barreling the ball to all fields and all situations. Um, it was a small sample and it was, you know, against at a time of year where maybe the results are less indicative of true talent than, than usual. So I'm fascinated to see the way it goes. Um, it's good. The all indications are that he's, he's made this opening day roster. I'll be fascinated to see how they use him because he is kind of below Avi Garcia and Jorge Soler on the depth chart in some respects. And um, yeah, there's only going to be, it doesn't seem that there's going to be true everyday playing time for DLC, unless he really catches fire and, and unless one other veteran hitter struggles badly or gets hurt. So I'm fascinated to both see his production and how often they use him and in what situations they use him. Um, what, what we have seen is in spring training using him effectively as the backup center fielder. That seems to be the guy who's going to play whenever jazz is not in the lineup, potentially to be a defensive replacement for jazz. That's what I'll be curious to see as well is why they use him in that way. So DLC is, is a hot one to watch for what he does and what it could mean for his future, because the Marlins would love for him to break out and actually be a building block for this team. There's a lot for him to potentially gain this year. He sticks out from that regard. Um, I guess we could point to people are, I think, generally favorable about Nick Fortes and what he could potentially do, even though his numbers by the end of the year looked very pedestrian. He's steadily faded after that good start in like May and June. Um, somebody like DLC who underneath the hood, he looks pretty good. He doesn't hit the ball quite as hard. Um, aside from that, though, like there are a lot of good habits that he has as a as a hitter that will especially at a catcher position that would make him super valuable. Um, and I know there's some momentum to make him like the primary starter at catcher on this team uh, in front of Stallings. That's not going to happen immediately, but that could happen as the year goes on. Uh, so I'm going to be focused more on those younger guys, knowing that um, this team, we, we know how poorly hitting development has gone in recent years. Um, and next up in the pipeline, it's it's kind of dicey in terms of what other reinforcements are coming. They need these young major leaguers. They're already counting on Jazz, obviously. But beyond him, it's, it's Dela Cruz and Fortes. And, and there are a couple others that I'm not quite as high on or as optimistic about. But there's there is a scenario where you have multiple guys emerge as close to everyday players. And um, if you're able to slot them in as regular guys moving forward, save some money at those positions that gives them even more flexibility to um, actually build the surrounding cast you need to make this a competitive team. Yeah. One thing I do want to point out with DLC that we were kind of discussing amongst ourselves and something that maybe not a lot of people see or have seen is Jesus Sanchez is out of minor league options. Of course, they're not going to send Soler or Abby Garcia down. So your one expendable option in the outfield is Brian Dale Cruz because he has one more minor league option left. So if there's a guy catching fire, and AAA this year, 
maybe Peyton Burdick, he had a pretty solid spring, especially at the beginning. DLC is going to be your odd man out because he's the only one in the outfield that has any minor league options. So that was something I would keep an eye on. Fortes, I'm pretty high on him. Uh, I think he'll be their go-to in terms of the lineup and who they want hitting a catcher. But, of course, Stalin has some pretty good batteries going, especially with Sandy, as we all know. So he'll, he'll still command some playing time. But I guess on the flip side here, on the little bit of the more negative side, Fish Drive Spivers had this conversation yesterday. Who is your main DFA candidate this season? Someone who will be getting the boot at some point this year. First, you have to be on the 40-man roster to get DFA'd. Uh, and the one that they are about to put on the 40-man in the coming days is Yuli Gurriel. He is somebody that I have to bluntly fade as the season goes on. Like I, I don't see him making it through the year and potentially not even half the year as an actual productive major league player. His defense really stood out in a small sample this spring at first base. Um, as we know from Lewin Diaz experiment, there's only like so much value and um, so few situations where you can actually put a defense only first baseman on your roster and win games. So with Gurriel, the contact skills are still there. That's something um, I, I worry about the power just not coming back, whether it's home run power or just warning track power or anything close to that. That's that's my concern right there. Uh, so my question isn't my worry isn't so much about him underperforming. I think that's kind of my assumption going into this is that it's going to look kind of similar to last year with the Astros offensively. Uh, the question is like how the team responds to that. Do they actually they have all these other like part time first basemen at AAA who they weren't like enamored enough with to put on the roster? But at what point do they consider? If if Gurriel does struggle, I'm not going to say it's guaranteed, but if he does struggle, then how long is that leash? And how long do they keep him there and trust in his track record and just pray for a bounce back versus put some trust in these younger guys who haven't gotten an opportunity before or have gotten a limited opportunity and, and give them a chance to be that part-time first baseman, whether a platoon player or try to replace that position internally. It is generally an easy position to fill it internally. Um, and uh, it's a big question for the team. Obviously if Garrett Cooper gets hurt and it's certainly a question beyond this season, because Cooper is going to be a free agent. Uh, maybe they do get that amazing bounce back from Gurriel as a 38 year old, soon to be 39 year old. Um, but um, like, there's a reason why he had to sell for a minor league deal. I'll just end it with that. Yeah. We got two new Fish Rice members, not new, but they're, they're new to the show because they, they weren't in here at the beginning. We got Alex Carver, we got Kevin. Um, Eli and I have been discussing the top DFA candidate. We had this conversation amongst ourselves yesterday, but we'll, we'll give it to the people. What, whoever wants to go first, who is your one DFA candidate this year that you'll be keeping an eye on to possibly get the boot at some point during this 162? I guess I can go. Um, my sorry, Kevin. Mine would be. I'll say Johnny Cueto. I mean, this this guy. I know they just signed him. Is a two and a half million dollar guy, thirty seven year old player. They have pitchers that are going to get called up at some point to young pitchers that are going to contribute to this team. You can look at Yuri Perez. I know Jake Heater 
apparently is now injured again with a foot injury, apparently, because he's in a walking boot per Christina today. But maybe him at some point. Um, you could look at some deeper down guys as well. Haven't really been impressed with what I saw from Johnny Cueto in the, in, in the preseason and spring training. So, I mean, th- this signing was, I guess, okay to shore up the back end of the rotation. But it's a 37-year-old player, and they're going to have guys that are, that are coming up to, you know, be ready to contribute at the major league level. So Johnny Cueto will be my, my top guy to, to get DFA. It's not point. a bad pick. I personally don't think Johnny Cueto is going to be on the roster in August. Yuri Perez, I think he'll – my personal prediction is he'll be up by Memorial Day. Uh, knowing Coming into this, knowing Johnny Cueto's deal, he's, he's probably not going to stick around too long. He's just a back-end guy and uh, someone that gives the Marlins some room in case the starter does get injured so that way they're not reaching deep in the AAA to go get – another starter yeah and uh and that allowed them to get that the pablo deal done which worked so far worked out just from the early returns and world baseball classic stuff like that maybe a win-win trade but uh we'll go to kevin so far we've got yuli guriel johnny cueto i'll get my pick after kevin how much is cueto making i think 8.5 million yeah that's the total value of the contract i think the salary this year was Six, either six or six point five, and yeah. then there's the option for 2024. That's right. Right. They're not going to eat up a contract like that. Miami's not known to do that. They will try to trade them. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I, it's eight and a half. It's eight and a half guaranteed. Yeah. Alex is, is on this. I don't think Johnny Cueto is going to be on the roster for the entire year. I don't know right. about DFA, but I don't think Johnny Cueto is going to be a Miami Marlin come July 31st, whatever the deadline is this year. They, they're moving it all of a sudden for some reason. I used to like you, if, July you, if he's ineffective, if he's ineffective, who are you moving him to? Who's going to want him? That, that would be my question. Like, oh, if he comes out and posts a five ERA, who are you going to trade him to? Like, there's going to gonna be a team that's going to take him and they'll make him look great. So, all right. Well, that's not, I guess that's and, thinking, but I think well, the Reds were interested in him during uh, the offseason. He could have a homecoming there. Yeah, or tired my, red. My DFA candidate, and I, and this one's gonna be maybe I don't know how many people are gonna get shocked by it. This was one that Isaac mentioned on Fish Ups and Filtered. I'm gonna say it here. I'm gonna go with Jacob Stallings. This is someone who has been completely ineffective offensively. He was horrible last year, both not horrible defensively, but he was not good. But I wouldn't say horrid. I mean, he made Sandy Alcantara Cy Young winner. He's part of it at least. But offensively, this guy sucked. I mean, <laughs> there's no other way to say it. Um, and they have some guys in the farm system that are pretty good. Will Banfield is a great defensive catcher. And he's been catching Yuri and Dax. So if you're looking to the future, maybe we'll see that one. So we'll see. I, I think Stallings is a name. Very cheap contract. He already got DFA'd once by the Pirates a couple years ago. So um, this is a, a guy who I could see. I, I just really don't. No, who else? I guess if Yuli Gurriel sucks, he could be DFA. That was Eli's pick, but that that, that, that's pick, also but... a very strong candidate. I would say Gurriel is in my top three for sure. Yeah, it's, it's really only between those two guys who I see it. Besides that, I, I, I don't, yeah. I don't really Will, know. Will Banfield would have to do a lot with the bat to be the guy to replace him. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's, that, that, that's true. Maybe P Mac has a incredible. Yeah, I would look at Macintosh. Yeah, I would look at Macintosh over Banfield in that sense. But I say, I think yeah, the next I, new catcher the Marlins will have will probably be Paul Macintosh. But I don't know if that happens this year. 
I think Songs probably makes it to the end of the year, and then maybe the marriage ends after that if he can't get back to his uh, his Pittsburgh ways. But he played really well in like July of August of last year. There there were moments where he did play well. I believe May was one of those where he played well because I remember when I did the I think May, with... May he had like a decent stretch. June he was terrible. First half of July was bad. Then they went to Pittsburgh right after uh, the All Star break. Ended up hitting the ball really well. I think. Then those Pittsburgh and Cincinnati series were right after the All Star break. He was like, he was literally the best hitter on the team during that. Didn't, didn't he hit like one of the incredible. first home runs of last season? And we were all like super hyped. And then he, he hit like the very first home run of last year. I think he yeah. scored the first run for the Marlins last year in that opener yeah. against San Francisco. I remember I was I remember where I was at when he hit. That was like wow. We already won the Stallings homer. I remember that. <laughs> Uh, and Jazz hit one that game too. That that first series, that first road trip was was a, a roller coaster of emotions. They left that road trip one and five, I think, or something like that. One, one and four, maybe. Yeah. But they were in every single game. Uh, and it's so fun crazy. to see that to see that bias. Like, well, let's see. Like, watch third game of the season. Yuli Gurriel comes out and hits like the first home run of the season. And then Kim Ang's going to be a genius. Why? Like, it's this is a recency bias. So, like, it was the same thing with Stallings. So it's gonna be. It's probably gonna be the same way. Like he hits his first home run. Oh, oh, oh my god! The reactions just take over yeah. every single year. They're they're yeah. always crazy. And in twenty twenty one, everyone wanted Bass gone for that uh, blown uh, save against Tampa Bay. Granted, he didn't really have a good year that year, but he also netted the Marlins. Jordan Groshans, who is yeah. going to be a very big key piece in, in the future at some point. I'll give my pick here. He's not he probably won't make the major league roster, but he's someone that I think shouldn't really be in talks to be anywhere near the forty man rosters. Tommy Nance. <laughs> he he gets DFA'd at some point. Uh, that's my guy that I'm picking. He's just he's he's not good. There's so many younger, better bullpen options. I really hope Andrew Nardi makes the team over him. Or wait, no, he's injured right now, right? Nardi's no Nance. No, Nance, Nance Nance is injured right now. Even when he comes back from injury, I don't foresee him staying that long. He was pretty bad last year, and if he gets another shot at the bullpen, I don't think he's going to last all that long. But, yeah, I would, I would much rather see someone like Nardi, someone like uh, – even if they want to maybe experiment with Brian Hoeing in that in that role, I, I don't care. There's younger, better, more viable options in the Marlins organization. I'll give – Alex Carver, the, the round of applause here. Some, some of those minor league bullpen guys I think could really be big players um, for the Marlins in the future. We've been saying that for a while in a lot of these spaces and shows that we've done that a lot of the Marlins' answers for the bullpen are in the organization. And they made some sneaky good moves throughout the offseason to bolster the bullpen. I'm really excited for A.J. Puck. I think he's going to be good. And Matt Barnes could also have a rebound season two. Although I think maybe Isaac said that that was his – DFA candidate. Someone said maybe Matt Barnes. I think he's gonna have a good season. He, he looked like shit. he looked like shit in spring training, Matt Barnes. But yeah, um, these minor league guys are, are gonna are gonna are gonna be okay. Like I, the Castano today. Like I know it, he gave up two runs. Yeah, but he faced the Met, the Mets A lineup. Um, five five pretty effective innings. Um, you know, like many more strikeouts than walks in his limited showing in preseason. That that guy's gonna contribute at some point. Um, Hoey is going to contribute at some point. Nardi's going to probably make the team after spring training. How about Western Brazabon? Brazabon, Brazabon's going to be there. He fits so. really well. Uh, Simpson, Villalobos, like these guys are going to be there. Like these guys from Pensacola last year, Simpson, Villalobos, they're, they're, they're going to, you're going to see these guys at some point. They're going to need innings and they're going to go, these are the guys that are going to go to in the bullpen, especially if guys like Barnes and, 
maybe Chagois, who's been injured, and I think he had like a stiff neck or something like that, and he hasn't been right. that fantastic either. So, you know, th- there's there's question marks around these newcomers, but these minor league guys are still solid. So these guys are going to contribute at some point, um, just a matter of when, I think. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Any just other to, like, just roster to quickly... DFA? No, go ahead, Kevin, my bad. my bad. No, you're good. I was Just just to kind of like fortify the point with, with Stallings, last year the only two pitchers he caught were Sandy and Pablo. The rest were all Nick Fortes. So, it, you know, not not just because Nick Fortes came up with a lot of these young guys, maybe besides Lozardo, but you kind of start to realize that Fortes is really the one taking over. And he he had some really nice outings, you know, during during the season. The Dan Castano game with Philly caught, him very, caught Castano very well. And, you know, there's some other guys that I think in the, in the system itself that have improved a lot defensively. PMAC looks a lot better defensively. Well, well, Banfield's one of the better ones defensively. So, I mean, it's just a matter of time of, you know, if Stallings does get DFA, I think they have guys that could possibly help out on both ends. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think your two Marlins catchers opening day 2024. I know we're looking ahead here. It's not even opening day 2023 yet. They will probably be Fortez and PMAC. That's my prediction. But we're also a little far away from that. Any other roster or DFA stuff you guys want before? I think we'll get into the fan part here, unless there was anything else we wanted to talk about, since this is our last one before opening day. Actually, you know what? No, no, we got the show Wednesday and the series preview Thursday, or maybe or the series show. I don't know. We're going to have a show at some point this week. I'll, I'll save some content for that. Any other last thoughts before we, we turn to the, the fan part? And I, and I do my, my selling on Super Baller. No, solo one. All right. Time to sell. You guys, if you haven't already heard my spiel yet, consider becoming a super follower for Fish Stripes. It is the best deal out there on Twitter right now. It is just $3 a month. It is the lowest price we can make it. You get all access to Fish Stripes, everything. You get priority to speak first in these Twitter spaces. You get lifetime access to the gift database for uh, Fish Stripes. We have thousands of Marlins gifts over the years. We've got. you can be in you can play fantasy sports with us exclusively with big prizes. We have a, a super follower exclusive fantasy baseball league, and I believe first place in that gets field level tickets to a Marlins game, either for postseason twenty twenty three or the season in twenty twenty four, whichever one comes first. Um, what what else we have here? What, what, what are some other benefits? I know there's one more I'm missing. Every the list is just so long that I'm yeah. starting to forget at this point. Before but, every is, single game, we've been doing it in spring training and also during the regular season, you get the media game notes for that Marlins game. It shows you um, all this miscellaneous information you'd want to know about the Marlins players involved and their opponents and the upcoming games, their recent transactions, the injury updates. It's all in those game notes that we put up exclusively for the super followers, super subscribers, as I now call them. Uh, before every single game throughout there so some people find that useful and we're, yeah, we're gonna just let this evolve as it does we just have super su- the biggest thing is probably the special giveaways that we do we have one of those coming up um later this week in just a few days we're gonna be giving away some more game tickets for a marlins game we'll find out uh, out about that very soon but it's a very particular marlins game that we have tickets that will go exclusively for our super followers that support us. So we, uh, yeah, we try to create it so that it is 
not only that it is just an extremely efficient value for you and that it just it allows you to experience the team through our coverage in a way that you couldn't otherwise. And it's just $3 a month. There was one more perk I forgot about. Series predictions come back this Thursday, and you get to play series uh, predictions along with us. We make our predictions for the series. There's set props that we do every single um, every single series over on. There's like that kind of thing. You can compete with us. There's also a prize on that. So if you happen to beat a Fish Stripes member, you'll, you'll get some prizes. You'll get your name on our, our series live stream show, all that. And it's all exclusive to Super Followers. There's so many benefits. And it's just immediately $3 a month. Highly consider subscribing. And we bring it up during these because you get first priority to speak. Anybody can request to speak, but I'm going to let Romeo in right now. He is a super follower, so definitely consider subscribing. I guess that's what Twitter's calling it now. Twitter's changed so much, but to me, it will always be a super follower. So highly consider, I highly suggest becoming a super follower. Romeo, hello. How are you this evening? Good, good. You? I'm, I'm all right. I've got baseball fever, man. I'm, I'm ready. March Madness hurt me. Um, I'm, I'm ready to bring it back. Uh, you got any questions for us? Any any thoughts, notes, getting um, into the season? Uh, I was going to say, I don't think Jazz is making 155 games this year. And do you, how serious do you think that this injury is? Yeah, I know he's hurt, right? He's missed like two games because of muscle cramps and his right arm. He should be fine. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was correct. He did miss back-to-back games. But they're saying it's precautionary. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah, I – you want to know someone who I think is going to get DFA? I was just going to answer the yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Anybody who I'll ask for your DFA candidate. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think, in my opinion, I think they call up – um. Jose Iglesias for some for like a like if uh, Wendell gets a knock and he gets the fade as well. That's that's one that's gonna be. I think Kevin, they both, both the Cubans not, get the fade. I'm happy with, with that one. I know you're a big Iglesias guy. Uh, why, I why am the, big Iglesias guy. But like, you even preaching it since December. We all told you to shut up, and then they ended up signing him last month. Yeah, so I mean, I can't did. knock you for that. Not in the capacity I thought they was minor league deal, but they'll be playing for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp presumably. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's not many lefties in the lineup. You only have, well, you only have one, two, four right now. Arise, Chisholm, and Sanchez, and Wendell. You need that lefty balance. I don't know if is he places a lefty. He's a righty. Uh, he's a righty, yeah. He doesn't so, bring I mean, a lot. And, and you know, Wendell? No, oh, no, um, Iglesias doesn't. Contact hitting, bro. I mean, the guy hit. It's a perfect. This is why I don't know if we've spoken about this before, Jordan, but this is why I kind of wanted Iglesias on the roster over Yuli because the platoon with Wendell and Yuli and um, and Iglesias would be perfect. When you look at well, you got Birdie in there too. Yeah, but Birdie, uh, you could play him everywhere though. That's the thing. I'd I'd rather have Birdie play everywhere, and then you have a platoon between Iglesias and Wendell, which. And you know, I got the goal should also be for these utility guys, these platoon guys, to not have to play that much. So Marlon's acquired exactly. Joey That's Wendell, why. and he exactly. played like I think maybe a hundred games for the Rays that year before they got him. And Joey Wendell got overworked last year; he got hurt. And John Birdie got on the team last year and started making starts, and he got hurt. A lot of these guys aren't built to sustain 140, 150 games. So the hope is for these guys to not have to do it. But now 
presumably every other day or, or every day you're going to have either one of Wendell or John Birdie as a starting shortstop. That's not what you want. The reason yeah. they acquired Wendell was to be your super utility, not to start every day at shortstop, especially shortstop where that's not, I wouldn't say that's his main position. His main position is third base, but he's a utility. So you can throw him at you got best at third. In, in the infield's out of position. I've, I've been saying this for months now. You got a DH playing first base, you got a first baseman playing second base, you got a second baseman playing center field. I know that's on the infield, but I still want to say it. You've got a utility man playing shortstop. You have an aging second baseman playing third base, a position he's not all that familiar with. Yeah, guys everywhere. And, um, you know, I, we'll see how long that experiment lasts. But I also, I guess I'll, I'll give another prediction at some point. I think Jacob Amaya will be everyday shortstop by the end of the season. Oh, oh, I, 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 I know. I, uh, I hate to side with Isaac on this one, but I, I actually did watch some Amaya tape like maybe a couple nights ago because I was really bored and from uh, his time with the Dodgers AAA team. He's good. I like this guy, and uh, I didn't really watch a lot of spring training because not a lot of the games were televised. I had other stuff going on. The top point, though, point is Jacob Amaya is a good baseball player, and injuries are going to happen. They happen to the Marlins every year. They happen to every team every year. I think Jacob Amaya gets some significant playing time at some point and earns himself a spot. Groshans could, too. I mean, Groshans played really well when he got called up last year. I think the, the Marlins have a good depth problem, but they have a bad problem where they don't really have, like, a guy right now in any of the positions in the infield. Uh, who's, before, I'm sorry, before you call someone up, who's playing left field? Is it going to be DLC? There, or? It's going to be a split between Sanchez and DLC is what we are well, well, no, no, Solaire. Solaire is going to be spending quite a bit of time there, and we've seen in spring, quietly, Avi Garcia has been almost 50-50 between left field starts and right field starts. That's been a a bit of a strange one for me because I thought he was decent in right field last year. And so uh, that has surprised me to see him there just because he hasn't played left in a meaningful game in many years. He's been pretty exclusively right field. He's played more center field than left field in recent years before the Marlins acquired him. So that's been a little strange. Um, what this spring has suggested, though, is that Solaire is going to play more outfield than originally anticipated. I, mean, I think a lot of us slotted him in as the main DH this year, especially this move to put Guriel on the team. That makes it pretty clear that they're counting on Soler to play defense. Guriel is, I mean, he's, he's an old man. Even if things go perfectly for him, he's going to be DHing a lot of the time um, just to save his the wear and tear on him at age 38 going into 39. Uh, I think that reflects how they feel about Solaire as a defender as well. So it's going to be that a weird situation. I, I talked at the top of the show about Dela Cruz. Like that's a place where he could get playing time as the season goes on. If um, depending on how these things shuffle around, but that is definitely the least defined position at the moment left field. Cause it could, I don't, I don't know exactly how they're going to decide who starts there on what days. It's going to be like a four way platoon at this point or a three way. Or four, yeah. No, no clue. Yeah, three-way cap. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I thought that we would see more Solera at DH. That, that was something that was caught up on. But, I mean, good to hear. You can see Fortes at DH. You can see Gurriel at DH. Maybe I mean, it'll be say like a, it'll it'll be put four, uh, Sanchez or DLC way. there. Four-way split. You'll have Avi Solera, 
Yuli and Coop mainly. And then Fagan needs an off day, you know, you just throw one of them there, you know. It's not going to be yeah. the worst thing ever. They have a lot of guys that can play in many different spots, but no one that really excels in one spot, which I think is going to be more of a curse than a blessing for them this season. Yeah. Um, one more thing. I know I've, I keep on saying one more thing, but the Zardo got by um, Stallings last year, didn't he? It was What's mainly Stallings. I think his first start of the year was Stallings, and, Stall- and Lozardo got hurt. And then when he came back, I think it was Fortes. Oh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But Stalin's had a lot of guys early on in this season. That, that's for sure. I, believe I know Stalin's basically caught the whole rotation once. Now, did, they, did he catch him after that is the question. Yeah, I think he caught almost everyone for the first month. Then he started the sock. Okay, and, here we go. Um, Look, they, Nick Fortes more playing time. Fortes caught him eight times, stalling seven, and Peyton Henry caught him three times. We did have a Peyton Henry phase last year. Then the Marlins. <laughs> and yeah, the Ross. Yeah. It feels like a lifetime ago at this point. Did you know at this time one year ago, Alex Jackson was still in the organization? They still had Alex Jackson on their roster. Less than he a year ago. Like a couple days yeah. he, had, he, got, he got traded to Milwaukee, right? Yes. Yeah, for, for, for Haven Control. Well, all this stuff feels like a, a lifetime ago at this point. So much has happened since then. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. No, I mean, it's nice that the Marlins have two set guys now. Stongs and Fortes. There's just so much back and forth. So much uncertainty catcher. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's still not great. But... It's nice knowing you have a good number two guy with, with Fortes. I think it's just finding a number one guy now is is a thing. Yeah, Peyton Henry was played major league baseball games for the Marlins last year. That's crazy. Was they have like a full in like twenty five slump or something like that? And his first hit was an RBI to walk it off or something. Like that, right? No, no, he his only RBI was a sack fly in like a random game. I don't. He may have gone like a hit or two. He he did not play well at all. Yeah, I think only one catcher had a walk-off for the Marlins last year. That was Nick Fortes in that Peacock game against the the Mets. Yeah. I think that was it. Anyone else? Anyone else? Um, Sean? I take take a look at it. Sean's in here. Yeah, Sean wants to join in. Anybody who wants to request, go ahead now. Uh, we We only have a couple super followers in here. Sean is one. John, I know, I know you're in there, John Rodriguez. Navi. Yeah, I mean, it's open to anyone. It's open to anyone. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little more cautious now uh, for who joins uh, because <laughs> of an incident that happened, I think, about a month ago. Uh, not not funny, didn't laugh. But, uh, yeah, I look at your profile and I can tell that you're involved. So we'll, we'll, we'll let you speak, of course. Just that, that incident was not funny. No. It was kind of funny. It was pretty funny. Uh, it was kind of funny. Anyone who has questions, go ahead. I'm just, I'm excited that we're we're back. Uh, this week we'll be watching baseball. Meaningful baseball, not but it's April. Never mind. Yeah, uh, it's been a week since there's been meaningful baseball. The the classic. Oh, right, sad. That's over. if you're a super but, follower, you get to meet Eli at a at a WBC game. 
I didn't mean Eli though. I'm gonna go out on a limb. I I think Sharif is legit. He follows us. He hosts his own spaces. Oh, I didn't even see that. I I I'm gonna. Apologize. Yeah, I'm gonna take. It, I'm gonna that. go out on a limb and say he's not trolling us, and that he actually has things to okay. say. I take a little trolling. I apologize. I, I didn't see that we had a request. The floor is yours, Sharif. Hey, good evening. Can everyone hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hello. Great, man. I I, I was waiting for this. I saw it in the uh, YouTube. Um, notification, and I, I, this is my first time um, ever calling into a Marlins show. I've been a Marlins fans from 92, 93, 97. Oh, man. Um, it's, I love, first of all, I want to say I love what Miss Kim is doing. Um, I don't know what happened with Jeter, but I would say she is proactive. Um, and she gets rid of the problem um, faster. Uh, now, I say that to say, I, I wasn't dependent on Jesus to do better. I've seen enough of him. Maybe maybe guys have, still have some dependency in him. I think I've seen enough of Cooper. But Cooper has uh, an eye at the plate uh, that we need. But uh, if if those two guys were to break out, I don't know what we would do because you're not going to trade the youngsters. But because uh, Jesus has a great back opposite field. Um, as far as the uh, offense, I think Kim has done a fantastic job to balance the offense. Uh, I'm tired of seeing the 1-1 one -one games um, for all pitchers, not just Sandy. Uh, once again, um, and the prospects uh, that we have coming, I think we were, once again, she sees the problem, she fixes it, and we would have never known of Braxton, Lazardo, or um, the other young young man, Cabrera. Um, and it doesn't really matter if Sixto comes back because we have, we have some great talent. Um, I don't know what happened with J.J. Blade. Um, but I was hoping for him to crack, uh, our, our roster this year. I know we traded the other guy um, who we got in the first round, but any thoughts on, um, who can be a bat coming up, uh, three months in from, from double A or triple A. I'll, I'll start at the end. Uh, the bat that I still have hope for that we saw last year, who didn't impress in his first opportunity was Peyton Burdick. He was looking good in spring until he had this toe injury. And now he's put that behind him. So we, he's going into the triple a season fully healthy. And even though it seems like they have now a lot of these outfielder outfielder types that are already battling for limited time. Like I, I, I'm not ready to give up on him. I think he has a really interesting combination of power and play discipline and the ability to even play center field in emergencies by by the middle of the season. I think even at this point, like Burdick doesn't have anything to develop at this point. Like, I think he's basically at this stage where it's sink or swim that as soon as there's going to be a spot open on the roster for him, that it'd be good to just see what he's got. And he's kind of what he is ultimately going to be at this point, nothing left to learn. 
in the minors. What about the young? What about the young man, um, Encarnacion? He had a he had a stint where for a month he was like the hottest thing, uh, right? And then all of a sudden he struck out a lot. What do you think about him? I mean, with him, there was just one particular issue that's a red flag, and it's how much he swings and misses at fastballs, just major league caliber velocity. As soon as he got called up, the strikeout rate exploded. And that's one thing that you just can't simulate at lower levels of baseball. It's such a big jump, even from AAA to the majors, catching up to that. Um, even if he can adjust the different types of pitches, uh, I don't know if the numbers in the minors really give me much faith in him moving forward. And they tried that interesting experiment these off and on the last couple of years, having him play first base, even though he used to be an outfielder to have him be versatile in that aspect. And it hasn't really clicked for him defensively either. So there's so much pressure on him on his bat to carry him and make him a useful player. He's just, he's not as well-rounded even as somebody like Burdick is. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if he turns into something. Um, But even during the spring, he looked to me like the same player that he was last year. It's it's a crucial year for him too. So if he performs amazingly in AAA, he's going to get another opportunity. I personally would have Burdick ahead of Encarnacion though. All right. I'm one more because I know some other people want to come up. I like the catcher who's backing up. I like his opposite field hitting. I, I think he has a great eye. Um, I, I won't be. Now, the thing is, Stallings, you would like him to carry the five man starting rotation at least um, 110 games with all of them, right? Because Stallings is a, it's just a great plate caller, but he can't hit. I put Font. His name is Fontes. Fortes. Nick Fortes. Fortes. Yeah. I. I really. I. I. I don't think he's gonna like get the starting, but when he plays, he's gonna have enough. I think he's gonna hit three hundred. Um, and one more thing, um, Jazz. Uh, first of all, I'm a, I'm a Bahamian myself, so. Um, but I see his. Um, I'm going to say this right now. Um, if while we lose, if we lose, everything is going to depend on his attitude. Um, I think if he has a graceful attitude and he um, he doesn't, he does. Uh, I, I think he's not a veteran, so I think he will ask more questions and become the youngster. I think if he does that, people will follow suit and ask more questions to the veterans. Um, I think Skip will Skip is a youngster. Skip will be able to translate that with him. But if that does not happen, guys, this can go real bad. We've had some hidden complaints about Jazz and his um, you know outbursting with the uh, plate empire and, and taking that into the locker room and then taking that into um, moving on to on, you know road trips and sort of thing. But you know he's such a talent. Um, but I will say everything depends on his attitude for 162 games. Um, but thank you guys. You guys are doing a great job. Take care. You too. Yeah. You have to acknowledge that about jazz is for whatever reason, whether it's his fault or not, there was just some friction between him and the veterans last year, occasionally him and Don Mattingly last year. And those are things that like, just take away from the talent of the team. But, you know, so far, so good with him 
with both Skip and with John Jay and other members of the new coaching staff. So that is, um, yeah, that is going to be important for a guy that, I mean, obviously the performance has helped raise his profile, but even things like the MLB, the show cover, all that does is feed into your ego and what you think you can do and how important you think you are. And it's um, when you're a young player and you have that individual success and the team around you isn't performing at the same level, it, it is a really complicated psychological state to be in. So he's uh, as talented as he is. That is a big question this year is how exactly um, he, if he's mature enough and if he is selflessness, selfless, selfless enough to, to like bring the team up with him and be as good a teammate as he possibly can. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. We got Sean in here. Super follower, Sean. Uh, he played fantasy football with us last year. That's another great perk. I believe he's in the baseball league uh, that we're doing for super followers. I, I'm not in charge of so I don't really know who's in it, but I know it's a decent sized league. How are we doing tonight, Sean? <clears throat> doing good. That was yeah, fun drafting with you guys the other night, and I'm doing my last baseball draft now. But, but you mentioned me by name, so I figured I got to uh, <clears throat> jump in here. Oh, you're, uh, you're a regular in the indies at this point. I love it. Oh, no, happy, happy to do it. So just a few quick things. One, yeah, I mean, if anyone's listening to this and on the fence about subscribing, I mean, $3, it's just one big freaking bargain. So you've really got to go ahead and support these guys. Um, and it was also a great meeting all of you that I did at spring training. Went up there, was able to meet a bunch of um, the regulars here on Marlins Twitter. So that was a lot of fun this spring. Went to one of our seven wins. So... I guess I, I guess I'm somewhat lucky, even living out here in Texas. But um, my uh, actual, actual question would be: uh, since I'm actually doing a fantasy draft, I'll just I'll get some I'll look for some Edward Cabrera predictions for the season from you guys, and uh, possibly if you want to be really specific, where you would draft him in a deep head-to-head categories draft, but um, or just for everyone else's benefit, how you what kind of year you're expecting from Cabrera? Well, for the fantasy part, I'm going to have to leave that to you, Eli and Alex Carver, because I've only done one fantasy baseball league ever. We're doing our staff on tomorrow night. I've only done one ever. It was during the 60-game season, because it's a lot to keep up with, but I had to do the staff one, because it's the boys, of course. But Ever Cabrera, I think he's going to have a breakout season. We've been saying that for a while, and then he'll have like a little nagging setback, but I, I think all four or five guys are, are going to have like a really good season. Sandy may regress just a little bit just because what he did last year was unprecedented. If he tops that, you're talking about best pitcher in the world status if he's not already there. Um, Lazardo's going to have another really good year. I think Trevor Rogers is going to have the best year of his career. Ever Cabrera, if he stays healthy, this will be the best season of his career. Uh, in terms of fantasy production, again, I can't really help you with that one. because I don't, I don't even know enough about it. Uh, I might be screwed tomorrow uh, for our draft, but uh, he, he's going to have a really good season. I'm, I'm pumped for him. Yeah, I'm not much into the fantasy league, but I know you always you have to try and at least get one through four day starters. At least at least try and mix them in with your bullpen guys, and he might be a sneaky little fourth fourth day starter. Him and Lazardo, but I thought Lazardo would be the third man in the rotation, but he's second. So now I'm rethinking my draft pick. At that point, um, from the, the Super Bowl. I guess that's not, that's not really a huge difference, though, two and three. If it was like two or four or five, maybe that would be a little different for you. Although, again, I don't know how any of this works, so maybe I'm entirely wrong right now. 
Well, I have to admit that I am um, I'm a little unsure exactly what to think of Cabrera. I have a pod coming out tomorrow on our podcast feed right after this one, going through my X factors of the season. And he is, to me, an X factor of this team. What I mean by that is um, he's, a vol- he's one of these volatile players who, I guess on the downside, he could get hurt. That's most obviously for somebody that has already had a biceps nerve issue, who has had blister issues, who has most recently, it was elbow tendonitis. And you fear that maybe there's finally a significant injury that could pop up at some point and really limit how often he's on the field. And then the other thing is goes down to his fastball and his overall control. This is a guy that occasionally dominates in his outings. Even this spring, he's had a dominant outing recently. Um, But overall, there's just way too many free passes and there's too much inefficiency, too many falling behind in counts because he doesn't like to throw his fastball for whatever. Well, not for whatever reason, for a pretty clear reason. He doesn't throw his fastball because he doesn't really know where it's going. And it, it limits his options in terms of getting ahead in counts and getting back into counts when he falls behind, which is why like, I don't think it's a lock for him to improve on what he did last year. And he could just from, what I've seen, though, you know, it looks like the same guy in spring training, and there's a lot of good with that, but there's there's going to be those limitations where he's just not putting the ball in the right spots, um, where I think we fairly have pointed out that he's not in pristine physical shape right now. He is a little heavier than you'd like him to be. Um, uh, pitching at a weight that's heavier than he has been in the past, and I'm, I always worry about that when it comes to pitchers and being potentially off mechanically when it is that you're not in the shape that you're accustomed to being in and how that affects the rest of your delivery. Yeah. Yeah. Six though being a pretty obvious example of it. He's just a really volatile player. So I think he's definitely draftable in most fantasy formats this year. Um, For one, because even with all the starting pitching depth that the Marlins have, I think there's a very good chance that he, is in the rotation throughout the year, health permitting. I don't think they're going to, um, with the exception of Yuri, um, I don't, they're not really going to have anybody leapfrog him in the rotation until potentially very late in the year. Uh, if, if it's like a Trevor Rogers situation and he's struggling for a big portion of the year, uh, he's a complicated player. So I think that's just my thought on it. I feel like the more popular opinion is that he is a breakout candidate and he could be a breakout candidate. I, I just think he's a very risky player, even this year. I think he could go in a bunch of different directions with him. Um, uh, health is such like an imprecise thing to approximate. For me, the bigger thing is going to be the control, and it's going to be getting in favorable counts for him to use um, his really deep pitch mix. That's what draws me in more than anything, is that the variety of different secondary pitches that he can use, It's the key is going to be that fastball being a bigger part of his mix and getting him in those favorable counts. And once he does, then he's somebody that has a lot of strikeout potential. Um, and at times can work really deep into games as well. Uh, I, I don't have a great feel on him, honestly. So I, I'd, I'm probably a little bit lower than him on than the general industry is just because I see a lot of downside potentially. It's all good points, but if you're really looking for this open-ended anyone, if you're looking for a, a middle rotation Marlins guy that you really want or back-end guy, 
I guess he will be back. And if you were listening at the top of the show, Trevor Rogers, I like ridiculously high on him. I think he's my number one breakout candidate this year. I, I think we see his best season yet. A lot of the people I've talked to and some of our own guys have said he just looks like a, a different player this year. He looks a lot more like his 2021 self. It's like exuding that, that confidence that he had. And uh, I talked to him the day after one of his worst starts last year, maybe his worst start when he got shellacked in Cincinnati. And he just, he's always got a good, positive attitude regardless of what's happening and I think he took a lot of time to himself the sauce and just work on some more technical things and I've only watched like two games during spring training and I, I think there were both Trevor appearances and he, he looks really really good so I, I'm pumped for him if, if you're looking for a guy to really bank on this year if you're doing fantasy or whatever daily fantasy sports whatever I, I'm really big on Trevor Rogers this year for sure I, I, I'm, I've already said it I'm, I'm big on T. Rogers this year if no one has requested, I think we should get to this part of the stream. Um, What's that? Mr. Bobo, or the Pokeball himself. I have not heard of him since the start of the WBC. Did he get shut down or sent to a minor league camp? Or Who? So he's talking about Sorry, six, I... though. He's talking about six, though. Oh, oh six, though. Um, I haven't heard much from him. and He's still working back. We got a lot of positive updates from him at the beginning of the year. People were thinking... He would be in the bullpen at some point this year. That's that's not at all true. Um, you know, he could maybe make an appearance this year, but I'd say a big victory for Sixto Sanchez this year would be to play in an organized baseball game at any of the minor league levels. doesn't matter if it's Jacksonville, Pensacola, Beloit, Jupiter, um, DSL, whatever. doesn't matter. If Sixto Sanchez can get into an organized baseball game in the 2023 calendar year, that's a victory. And, to really answer your question, we haven't heard much. I don't know what he's throwing from, what his, um, what, what his workout routine is right now, but I think a, a big victory for Sixto Sanchez this year will be to play in a baseball game. Yeah. yeah like, Let me stall for a second to see if I find the Sixto update from today. Apparently there was like a, a half update from the team about him. Let's see what we, we got, got a lot here. of updates today. I, I ah, track. Six, let's see. From Kim Ang. Yeah, Jordan McPherson of the Miami Herald quoted Kim Ang saying that um, he's still throwing bullpen sessions. So he threw his first one a month ago, something like that. Um, and there have been, been several of them since then. It was very notable because you could, when we got the video, it was clear that he was not throwing at full intensity. These weren't real bullpen sessions. These were like throwing off a mound for the first time in a while and just getting familiar with it. But from Kim Ang today, um, her quote was just looking for him to get stronger and keep going with his progress. So awfully vague. He's already been optioned to triple a Jacksonville instead of they, they could have kept him with the big league team and placed them on the major league IL, but they did option him a couple weeks ago. So all indications are that he'll begin the season on the minor league injured list for a period of time, still not facing live batters. And at least at the start of camp, their messaging was they still envisioned him as a starter. The path to going from bullpen sessions to actually starting full games, that's a month, maybe even a little bit more than that until he's even pitching in AAA games. And best case scenario, um, in my opinion, I'm just not counting on anything from him whatsoever. We've seen no evidence to this point that his stuff has come back, even though, his conditioning is better than ever. Um, 
I just fear that he's the shoulder is too far gone and that the stuff is not going to be the same on the other side of this rehab. If he ever gets to the other side of this rehab, he's in good spirits and he is throwing baseballs. That's, that's kind of all we know. Um, yeah, don't count on anything from him for the first half of the season, for sure. I think then we can reevaluate things as we get towards the middle of the year. And hopefully by that point, he's at least, I don't know, <laughs> maybe he's pitching in AAA games by the middle of the season. That is kind of my general theory on where this is going. The best thing possible. If he is pitching a game for Jacksonville at any point this year, I think that would be as good as it gets for six though. I'm entirely sold out on him pitching for the Miami Marlins this year. I don't think it's going to happen. I wouldn't expect it to happen whatsoever. If he wears a Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp uniform for anything other than picture day this year, I think that would be his biggest victory possible. Uh, it, it's a sad story. I still remember that uh, postseason series, his postseason start against the Cubs like it was yesterday. His stuff was good. He had potential to be the best pitcher in the rotation at one point. Uh, it's it's sad to see his fall. It's a guy I'm always going to be rooting for. Yeah. I have his jersey. I have the 45 jersey. Yeah. May or may not have been a financial mistake. We'll see. But um, I'm always going to be rooting for him, but I just don't think he's going to play for the Miami Marlins this year. Yeah. You yeah. have a request. Mm-hmm. Miami Chief. Answer a few more questions here, and we'll wrap it up. It's been one of our longer ones, probably our longest one since the Bavade news dropped in the middle of our show. That was a fun day. All right, the the Miami Sports Poster Chief, the floor is yours, my man. Ask any questions that, that you may have. Uh, uh, can you guys hear me? Yes. Hi, this is Steve. Uh, uh, my question in large is about the direction of the organization because I feel that, like, from the outside, it, that's not really clear. I feel like a lot of the pro- outfield prospects in recent years, like Brinson and the Mesa brothers and JJ Bidet, who just went to the athletics and stuff, have failed. Our free agent signings have been questionable with like Soler and Garcia and Wendell and some veteran guys. And, you know, the team is likely to win between 67 to 80 games this year. And we, we, I don't feel like we have a core foundation of players right now that really shows me any sort of direction of the organization with the exception of. Of, of Sandy and uh, I feel like Jazz thinks he's a star but he's really not like he has a career average of 240 with 24 home runs we got the show of MLB the cover but my, my question to you guys like is looking inside is uh, what do you think is the direction the organization is trying to go in or does it seem as unclear as I'm talking about because doesn't well doesn't... I, I understand why you think it may be unclear but I think within the inside of the organization I think they know exactly what they're doing is what they're thinking. I think that they are really trying to compete right now. Kim Ng has one year left on her contract. It is presumed that she will get an extension of some kind, but at the same time, she is still playing for her job right now. And MLB GM jobs don't exactly come and go every single day. There's only 30 of them in the world. So she kind of has to fight for her job this year. And that's why the Marlins are, pretty aggressive this offseason have been for the last few off seasons um if they if their direction was to blow it up and sell they would have made more trades to get prospects this past off season but i think it's pretty clear to the organization themselves that they want to compete do we think that they're going to compete as, as fans and journalists that's up to you 
of what they may do this year. But you're right. The general consensus is they will probably win between 67 and 80 games this year. Because, or I'll stretch that to 82. Uh, the, the absolute ceiling is you maybe finish a couple games above 500. You fight for a playoff spot. Uh, just, just with how good the National League is this year, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, even if they do somehow win 80 games. Or they could completely implode this year like they did last year and have another 90 loss season. So you're right there. But I think to the organization itself, it's pretty clear that they are doing what they can to win games. But if you're a fan, I can totally understand why you might not think that because they're getting all these mid-tier players and they don't exactly have a guy that's not Danny Alcantara. And you have a good point about Jazz. This is going to be a big prove-it season for him. He's got a lot to play for, has a, a lot of talk to back up. So we'll see how that goes for sure. It's a good question. Right. As, and as you mentioned, with Kim being in the final year of her deal, I mean, mo- most of this direction changes just like that if she's gone. And until we get like some confirmation about her contract being extended, that is something that still needs to be in the back of our minds. She made, um, um, it's curious, at this point, I think you have to say that this is kind of her call to mostly push the chips in at this stage of it. Now, Jeter, I know Jeter was somebody that was a big proponent of that as well, dating back to the previous offseason. Uh, but at this point, this was her opportunity. Um, I think between, I don't think it was Bruce Sherman necessarily that was demanding that they do this at a time when they, this is a, it was a flawed major league roster and kind of a middling farm system as well. Um, and considering just where they were last year, it is a, pretty substantial leap to go from where they were to even being on the fringes of postseason contention. When you consider what the national league is looking like, it does seem that there are at least six, maybe seven teams in the national league that are a lot better than they are right now. So you're counting on multiple of those teams underperforming in some way in order to even make it realistic that you could sneak in as a wild card. This was a questionable call. And, um, I mean, they were able to improve the team by actually getting Sherman to invest more than he has in any of the previous rosters to help them like sure up this this offense and to make some incremental improvements to the bullpen as well. Uh, there is this multi-year window, it seems. So if we are going to assume that there is some sort of extension worked out and that there's at least one more year beyond this year, almost all of these key players are under contract next year. I mean, who isn't? Um, Solaire can opt out of his deal if he does extremely well. If he does extremely well this year, then that bodes well for the team and how they performed as a whole. Um, besides him, Dylan Floro and Cooper and Wendell, I guess you have like these role players that could leave. Um, and they're counting on some of these hand-picked players that they traded for, like Groshans and Edwards and Amaya. Not all of them, but like one of them, hopefully emerging as an an actual starting caliber player um, at this point this year or next year. Um, so this, this to me is like a two year window before Sandy starts getting kind of expensive before jazz starts getting kind of expensive. And before some of these veterans that they just brought in have the opportunity to be free agents again. Um, yeah. There's a lot of pressure on this year, um, but it's really this next two year window where, um, success is going to be probably making the postseason in one of those two years. And if they don't, um, then 
then you see like you potentially you see them go into another rebuild again just because of all the questions about their player developments on the offensive side. So one of the big offseason additions, aside from the players, was Oz Ocampo as the assistant GM, somebody who is very highly regarded with how he developed international players with the Astros through the years um, and how he found international players uh, early in their careers. Uh, so he's somebody that would presumably have a pretty big impact on their future at some point but he's a guy that deals with the long-term future, not the short-term future. Like he's the guy you bring in when you wonder, Hey, maybe we're four or five years away. And maybe, maybe we got to focus on developing these international players um, internally uh, who signed as teenagers. And maybe we need to start looking at them as our hope. So it is, um, they made this really questionable choice. It is a questionable choice when you just consider what they're going up against in the National League East and in the National League as a whole, where they're counting on some of these teams to underperform and they're counting on this emphasis, this new emphasis on contact hitting and all, and finally hoping that the starting pitching depth that they've been gathering finally puts it all together and that they have an elite rotation. Like there is a path where this all works out. Um, it's just that I think moving forward, they're either going to need to get a lot better from the player development side, or they're going to have Bruce Sherman investing more and more money than he has in the past. He needs to keep increasing payroll. They just keep up with where Major League Baseball is these days. Um, otherwise, I, I just don't think that they're going to be able to catch up with these other organizations that have so many more resources. Sean's got his hand up. Yeah, I mean, I guess just if we can just do a little looking ahead, if we're going to, you know, if we think positive and think they're good, they are contending and they swing a trade. I'm just looking at one team that might be likely to do that. If the Yankees made either one of Peraza or Torres, and let's say it's Peraza because Torres, I, I think we have enough second baseman this year, but if they make Peraza available, um, what do you think would be a good trade package that the Marlins should consider for that? Charles Quinn. That's always a good question. Um, we we had Pablo in a lot of those discussions last year when Peraza's name came up along with Victor Torres. I don't know what they would do this year. There's not really any starting pitchers you want to trade right now that would actually be able to get him. Of course, you could trade Johnny Cueto, but he's not going to net that. I don't think they're in a position where they would want the trade either of Vettiber Cabrera, Jesus Lazardo, or Trevor Rogers right now, unless Gary Perez is as advertised, which probably will be, and another guy from the minor league system comes out of nowhere and um, performs at a high level. I don't see them trading a hitter for him, and why would they? Or why would the Yankees take that deal? So it's tough. I don't really know what the Marlins are going to do trade-wise, but I do think it will be a loud deadline of some kind because of Kim's contract situation and just the nature of the team in general. We'll have to see what the record is. I think a lot of it's just dependent on how the first half of the season goes. Are the Marlins a few games over 500? Are they right there and, you know, are maybe a bat and a bullpen guy away from competing just like they were last year? <laughs> they didn't really do that much? Maybe, but... Are, are they going to be six, seven games under 500, kind of out of it, and they've lost all, all, all their division games? 
you can see that as well. So I don't know. Right now, it's tough to tell for me if they could find a package for him or who they would even trade right now. I think we just got to see what they do the first month or two of the season, how this team looks. Yeah, I've seen those suggestions about potential starting pitcher for top prospect hitting trades that they can make right now. And I, I'm, I'm puzzled why anybody would even think about that. And trade ideas are sexy, like 12 months out of the year, but it's totally inappropriate for this part of the season. Like their rotation is, is good as it is. And they just invested a lot of time and roster spots in towards getting both the veteran hitters and also the trades for these other prospects infielders such as Amaya and Xavier Edwards. Um, why did they trade for them if they're immediately going to be leapfrogged by another unproven but talented prospect um, in the same stage of their developments? Like they're just going to be, that's not going to be putting those guys in a position to be successful if they're immediately pushed down the depth charts despite being uh, on the verge of debuting or sticking in the big leagues. The timing doesn't make sense to me at all. Like they, they've built this very particular team and they're going to let it play out as Grant said for a little bit before doing anything dramatic like that. Just got to get through April and then maybe we can look at some more stuff. Although maybe need more time to that because the Marlins were four games above 500 at the end of April last year and it all came crashing and burning in May. Uh, I would just wait a, a couple months and uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Have to wait and see. Any other final questions? We'll wrap this up here. It's been one of our longer ones. It's a good question. This is going to become a weekly thing out of the season on their way because I, I feel like if we try and talk about two weeks worth of games and um in, in one show, we're going to be here for three hours. Any final questions? Any final thoughts before uh close this one out and look towards the season? How's your women's bracket looking? Uh... I, I, I had UConn beating Ohio State. And that didn't happen. I had Tennessee beating Virginia Tech. That didn't happen. So it's kind of done. I hope Miami wins it all. I really do. Um, but it's a good time to be a, a basketball fan in South Florida right now. Hopefully the Heat can get it together. That's the only South Florida basketball team I root for. So hopefully they get it together. Uh, playoffs are coming up. Maybe the, the Heat aren't competitive in the playoffs, if they get first round, and more people will put their eyes on the Marlins early on. Could be a big opportunity for them. We'll see. And the Panthers probably won't make the playoffs either. So the, the Marlins could have the month of April all to themselves, potentially. We'll have to see. Uh, that, that's all we got. Thank you guys all for coming out. Uh, this will be a weekly thing now, so I know we've been doing it bi-weekly, but we will be back here next Sunday about 7 o'clock. We're going to probably make that our set time because – Odds are the Marlins will not be playing Sunday Night Baseball at any point this year. Um, that's just the way ESPN rolls. I hate it. I, I won't want a Sunday Night Baseball game. But thanks again. Uh, opening day is Thursday. Some of the best words uh, you can hear right now. Uh, Marlins baseball is about to meaningfully be back. So thank you guys all for coming out. We will see you here next week, hopefully, to talk about a 4-0 start. Thank you, guys.